From lifestyle, fitness, beauty, travel, relationships, and self-care, Steph's got you covered. Welcome to your safe space, where you can stop what you're doing, relax, and let someone else do the heavy lifting for once. This is the Luxury Dropout Podcast with your host, Stephanie Joplin. Dropouts. It's your host, Stephanie Joplin, here with another episode of the Luxury Dropout Podcast. Today, I've got my friend Jackie Tide coming on the show. She is in the music business. And when I mean she is in there, I mean she is all the way up in there. She is the director of artist relations for iHeart Country, a division of iHeart Media. So I'm sure you guys have heard of iHeart Radio. Yeah, that one. So she's a pretty big deal. Um, she's been with the company for about 10 years, and uh, she is one of my only friends who has literally left college, walked right into her career almost immediately and found great success with it just by sticking to her guns and following her gut instinct and doing all of the jobs that she had, no matter if it was grunt work or busy work, whatever it was, all the jobs she had with grace and with dedication. And she just worked her way up and found respect along the way. And she was able to have some pretty big, oh, wow, moments that we will talk about with celebrities and her favorite country music artists. So I can't wait for you to hear some of those really exciting stories that she has to share with us. I swear this episode is going to make you want to listen to my serotonin country playlist that I have on my Spotify. I swear something about being born in Houston, Texas and growing up around the greats and country music really does shape your life a little bit differently. So grab a drink, grab a snack and enjoy this episode with me and Jackie Tig on the luxury dropout podcast. Joining me from Nashville is my good friend, Jackie Tig. How are you? Hi, I'm great. So Jackie, as I mentioned in the introduction, you work with iHeartMedia, specifically iHeartCountry. And that is something that as a little Texan girl is really near and dear to my heart. And we have so much to talk about today. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, So the way that Jackie and I met was actually, it was a long time ago now. Um, I think it was like 2008 or nine. 2009, something, something, something around there. Um, and we met, um, everyone thought I was in a sorority at U of H, but I was just dating someone in a fraternity at U of H. Right. <laughs> Everyone's like, what, what sorority are you? And I said, Alpha C Delta. They're like, we don't have that here. I'm like, I know. <laughs> doesn't exist at U of H. <laughs> right. So, um, so that's how you and I met, but we've kept up with each other over social media over the years. And I've just like really been impressed with your diligence and your continuation to kind of just like go forth with like the vision that you had for your career and really just stick with it. And you're one of the only people that I know that had truly got out of college and almost went directly into the field that they've stuck with for 10 years or so. So firstly, congratulations on that. <laughs> but before we go, before we go to the present day, let's go back to the beginning. So yeah. you, you graduated from U of H. Um, what was your degree? Marketing. Marketing. Something. Okay. You know. 
Yeah, something, <laughs> something whatever. Something general and basic. Yeah, of course. But still, I mean, it helps you a little bit, gives you a little bit of a foundation, maybe gives you Correct. a couple of connects. And then you immediately moved to New York, right? Right after school. Yeah, very shortly after. Correct. Okay, so what made you choose New York? Very random. I feel like most of my life has kind of been just these things that pop up and it's like, yes or no. And you don't <laughs> necessarily know where that path is going to lead, but it's led me to great things. And I'm very happy um, that all the yeses have led me to where I am now. But I accepted a babysitting job for a, a sorority sister friend who worked for a high profile family in Houston. Babysat once, everything was great. They paid me, I went home. <laughs> um, and then a few months later, the wife called me directly and she said, hey, you know, you babysat for us a few months back. Um, we're in a bind. Would you be able to babysit tonight? And I was like, of course. So I went over and we were chatting in the kitchen before she started getting ready for the event that they were heading to. And she just was kind of telling me that their life was a little bit scatterbrained currently because they were getting ready to move to New York and just a lot of balls being juggled at the time. And as casually as I'm going to say it now, she was just kind of like, well, what do you do? Would you want to move to New York and be an assistant? And I was like, I've never been to New York one day in my life. Um, oh my but this is, this is intriguing. And I'd love to hear more about what this is that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they went to their event and they came back and we spent, you know, hour, hour and a half in the kitchen afterwards, kind of talking about what that move would look like and what working for them would look like and, you know, living and all of those, all of those important details. And that Sunday I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And I'm, I'm excited to try something new and, and leave Houston and, and give New York a chance. Good idea that you were, um, good thing you were free for babysitting that night. Yeah. <laughs> Truly so like my entire life could be very, very different had I not said yes to a baby getting babysitting gig on a Friday night. So <laughs> So what did your parents say about this decision? They were, I was, had been living on my own at that point for a while. I was 24. So a couple years out of college. Okay. You know, Nashville is a small city. Houston is a small city, even though neither are very small cities. You know, everybody kind of knows each other through six degrees of separation or whatever that saying is. But this was New York, not Nashville though, right? This is in Houston. Right. But uh, so this is before you moved to New York, though. Correct. Correct. Okay, okay. Yes. So before I moved to New York, the um, a woman that I had babysat for her kids all through college actually uh, was a business contact and a close friend of the, the woman who I ended up working for in New Got York. It. So I was able to kind of we were able to vet each other kind of through mutual contacts. Um, mm -hmm. And that obviously made my parents feel a little bit better about moving to a city, that, yes. <laughs> moving to a city with a family that they, uh, you know, didn't know. But through the woman I used to work for and my sorority sister, I had multiple people that said, these people are great. Uh, you know, I love yeah. them. They are, they are part of my family, right. uh, our extended family. And everyone encouraged me to do, to take the leap. And so I did. That's amazing. So when you first got there, um, your duties were basically 
to be an assistant to this family, to babysit, to help with the kids, to maybe run some errands, essentially, right? Is that kind of- It was kind of, yeah, all over the place. I was mainly, her name is Lucinda. I was mainly Lucinda's design assistant. She owns an interior design firm in Houston. You know, we all lived under the same roof. So it was kind of like, can you walk the girls to Union Square and, and take them to school? Can you pick them up? Sure. Can you run these errands and pick up these samples? Of course. So it was kind of- anything and everything okay. um, which which made it exciting and yeah. it was a fun way to explore a new city that you know I was brand spanking new in so man I was there in 2018 for 36 hours it was the shortest trip ever <laughs> and and just being there for those 36 hours I was so overwhelmed and I don't like just moving there and starting a new job and and also having responsibility for kids I would just probably be like ah <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that they had kind of a driver at their disposal and and certain things that not the average New Yorker have certainly helped. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't count on both hands the number of times I walked in the wrong direction to the wrong (laughs) avenue, but I I still find myself doing that on occasion when I visit. So that may never change, but yeah, definitely some adjustment as, as I was a newbie. Yeah, that's cool. So how, um, so I know that you were put in touch or you were put in touch with someone in New York, right? That started your career. That's what I was reading. Is that right? Or how did that work with that you got into? Yeah. So I worked, I worked with Lucinda's husband's company for like a year and a half because they eventually moved back to, to Texas. They only had, their plans were only to stay in New York for like a year period. But once I was there, once I was there, I was like, the hardest part of the battle is, I think, getting here. So mm-hmm. once I was there, I just kind of felt the freedom to branch out from the job that had led me there and try new things. Yeah. So I worked for her husband's company for a year and a half. And it wasn't my passion. It wasn't something that I that I saw myself doing long term. And at mm-hmm. that point, I was 26. So just started putting myself out there, you know, reaching out to headhunters, seeing what other jobs I might be qualified for. At that point, I had had C-level experience with, you know, in different assistant jobs with a couple people. So, I mean, I got to interview at Burberry and I interviewed at like some smaller marketing firms. And then I interviewed with Clear Channel, which was soon to become iHeartMedia. And as someone from Houston who knew the names of these big companies, but certainly never thought that I would be, you know, interviewing (laughs) for work at Burberry. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, But ultimately, I went through you know, the, the interviewing process with several companies. And I just, I heart felt exciting. It felt comfortable. Bob Pittman, who was the, I forget his title when I actually signed on and joined the company, but he quickly became the CEO um, within that first year of my employment. Okay. And I just felt really comfortable around him, his energy, like his management style, all of those types of things and his track record of the type of leader and the type of businesses that he's worked with, you know, speaks for itself. So it just, it felt like the right path to take and the right person to work under to hopefully absorb and and learn from. So I, I took the leap. That's amazing. So as a coordinator, as artist relations coordinator, when you first jumped in, what were some of your day-to-day tasks and, and duties and what did a typical day look like for you? So for the first five years, when I when I lived in New York and worked in New York, I was strictly his um, executive assistant. Got so it. 
that part was mostly, again, kind of all over the place. Get him lunch, order snacks, set up <laughs> meetings, curate invite lists, right, and right. keep track of RSVPs for, um, that was 2011 was when I started working for him. Okay. It was also the year that they launched um, the iHeartRadio app. And it was also the year that they launched the um, iHeartRadio Music Festival which is a two-night multi-genre uh, music festival that happens in Las Vegas the third weekend in September um, every year. And um, is it happening this year? Is it happening? It is. Oh, great! 2020, obviously, we did not yes. host an in-person festival, but we we may do and had some artists perform and did a television broadcast. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. 2020, obviously, a unprecedented year (laughs) obviously yeah so the assistant gig basically led to him saying hey you need to be doing other things because your potential is exponential and so Um, maybe not exactly that well I (laughs) I will say it (laughs) it was more so I had worked for him for five years his you know, nobody, he didn't get to where he was by staying in the same job for, for too long. And, and not that, I mean, I, I loved working for him. I definitely could have seen myself working him for him forever until he retired. But at that point I had lived in New York for eight years and it's expensive. And I was 30 or 31 at that point. And I just Mm -hmm. being from Texas and knowing um, you know, so so many of my friends were starting families and buying homes and not necessarily that I was jealous of those things, but I, I saw that for myself and New York is not the place that I wanted to start doing those things for myself. So right. we had a sit down and basically he was super supportive of me taking a leap and trying something new. And for me, Nashville was the next place that I kind of wanted to find roots and, and establish myself. It's, it's just a city that I, again, had only been to once or twice in my life in the, probably in the year or two before I moved there, but it was just always a place that was on my radar, always a place that I found intriguing and interesting. And at that time specifically, I found it to be kind of a hybrid of the things that I loved from New York, but the slower pace and southern approach that I loved from my roots in Texas and I felt that it was I felt that there was a position there that would that I would be an asset for because country is kind of my preferred genre of music that I kind of grew up listening to that I still enjoy listening to um just the storytelling how the songwriting aspect of it and so that's why I decided to make that the next stop on my journey. So, but you said like the first, during that transition, you were, you split your time between New York and Nashville, right? Well, my time within iHeartMedia over the 10 years has been split. So the first five, first five were in New York, back half of this last five have been in Nashville. No. Okay. That's, I, I was, I thought I understood. It was like, you had split it. Like when you first got to Nashville, then you had to split New York, Nashville. I was like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> no, that that would have never flown. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. It good. Was, the job in New York was very much a, you know, 24 seven. If he's in the office, you're in the office kind of thing. So, so working from another city would have never, would have never panned out. <laughs> so your, your title when you first got to Nashville was coordinator, but now you're director or when did that 
Correct. Prom- okay. Yeah. Okay. Got so it. executive assistant for my time in New York. Yes. Um, I moved to, I moved to uh, Nashville, luckily was able to stay with the company. I kind of saw a, I saw a void. I saw an opportunity. Um, yeah. One of the perks of working for the CEO is you get to obviously have close knit relationships with so many people that are in high positions within the company. So, uh, yeah. And then, it, and then at that point, it's on you to obviously make good relationships with those people that you have access to. So during my five years with Bob, I was able to do that and I was moving to Nashville regardless. So I had some opportunities in, um, in the city to, you know, work as a regional promotion person for, you know, one of the labels here. And I would have been very happy to accept that, but I I love, I love iHeartMedia. I love the brand. I love the people. So staying was my ultimate goal. So I, I started having internal conversations about if I stayed, what I saw that looking like. And we previously had an artist relations team where it was kind of all hands on deck. Everyone touched all formats. Um, nobody was kind of a expert, I guess you could say, with pop or country or hip hop. But with country being such a separate, like there's very few country tracks that cross over and go pop, but there's ton, tons of pop tracks or you know, R&B tracks or hip hop tracks that cycle through each of those formats. So yeah. there's more blending happening in that world, whereas country is kind of this island on its own. Yes. So I basically was like, I love country. It's it's part of my upbringing. It's part of my roots. It's it's where I I feel like I can be an asset. And so my pitch essentially was that I wanted to be on the artist relations team, operating out of Nashville, kind of honing in and being the expert on on country and all things and making those relationships a little bit deeper. And it's already a format where the artists are willing to just bend over backwards, always provide content, always provide liners. I just really saw something there that was already established, but had lots of room to grow. It's been great. And it's, it, it has really grown. And I love the team that I work with out, out of Nashville. And now we have a gal that totally uh, is the expert on hip hop and R&B and she works out of LA. And not to say that I paved the way for her but in in a small in a small way it kind of feels like I did just by taking the chance and saying like hey I think this could work and let's give it a try I full well knew that if it if it totally bombed that I would be getting that awkward email probably in a year but I'm, I'm very glad that it didn't end that way well it makes sense that there needs to be someone in charge of artist relations. I mean that to me is a no-brainer. So I feel like that's that was amazing that you brought that to the table. But for I guess for for the audience that doesn't quite know what that entails. I mean besides the obvious like the hand holding and things like that what what is a typical day look like for you now cuz you already heard about what it was like when you were just an assistant um living in New York and now you're a big boss lady in Nashville so what does it look like now? Every day is a little different. Lots of emails <laughs> on a variety of topics. We're about to have our iHeart Country Festival um at the end of October in Austin, Texas. And so lots of different pieces to coordinate um, that event. But at the same time, we're already booking the artists that will be playing that festival for 2022. So 
uh, lots of forward thinking, a little bit of handholding, but honestly, the country community is so on it and everyone is so kind and really great at following directions. Like, I, I mean, I couldn't ask for a more supportive and um, just amazing community because they, everyone is just, everyone is above and beyond. Everyone exceeds expectations. So a little bit of that, phone calls, Zooms, check-ins with my team. Uh, my boss, the woman that I work, that I directly report to is out of New York and she's kind of over all genres, but we have, you know, bi-weekly check-ins <laughs> where we just kind of touch base on what everyone is up to. We typically have uh, the world premiere of a new song multiple times a month, um, whether it's Carrie Underwood or Jason Aldean or Little Big Town, whoever. <laughs> um, some of those top tier acts that are releasing new music, we will world premiere that music across our iHeart Country radio stations. Um, so just coordinating graphics and making sure that our timing is right and making sure that we have everything we need internally to then push out to all of our individual markets so that they can utilize that content and, you know, make it sound sexy on air. Perfect. Oh my God. That is awesome. It's just, you're basically just gathering all the stuff you need for, to push out to all of the other people within your little network that you have and just, just kind of making sure that they have everything they need is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got it. So you get that directly from not the artist, maybe themselves, but like someone who works directly for the artist, I suppose. Yeah. Artists, okay. um, artist label teams typically, um, that are then dealing with management on the backside, having lived in Nashville for five years, most of the people that I email on a daily basis are, are my personal friends, like people that I would have yeah. business centers with, but also like text about personal things or have a drink with and talk absolutely no business. So it's, right, right. It's, I mean, it's a, it's honestly a dream community to, to get to interact with on a regular basis. So now we got to get to the down and dirty that everyone wants to hear. <laughs> we want to hear about celebrity stuff. So let's talk about some, some, oh, wow moments, some, some super cool stories that you want to share the audience. Um, maybe some, some really great ones. Maybe if you have any bad ones, we don't have to name any names, but let's hear them. I honestly don't, not to be like so squeaky clean, but I can't, if I have a bad one, I truly don't remember it. Every, That's good. Again, everyone here is, I can't, I can't speak for every format of music, but everyone in the country community is, is for the most part, just amazing. That's great um, to hear. <laughs> but oh, wow moments. I mean, I've had too many to count. It's, it's truly an incredible opportunity that I have here and I don't take it for granted whatsoever, but like, I mean, Garth Brooks, the goat, like 90s country, that was everything that was, I mean, it has, he has a huge, he played a huge role in me gravitating toward this format. And um, just, he played a huge role in my childhood. Like I, I yeah. visualize the covers of those albums and I can sing every word to every song. And um, I can't, I don't think I ever saw him live in concert until I was, until I lived here and, and was able to go to a stadium show of sorts and take my parents to their first Garth show, which was like oh. totally emotional. I was crying, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but I mean, my parents were my parents were my curators of music as a child because I mean, I was an only child. I didn't have older siblings to like 
branch off and be listening to their own music and influence me. It was mostly my parents that are like six, six disc changer. <laughs> and like, yes. And any given night, like two of those six albums that were rotating were probably Garth Brooks, you know, maybe Winona, maybe Brooks and Dunn, but it was, the nineties was obviously the heyday of country music. Everyone oh. talks about it all the time. It was amazing. It was the ultimate. And I feel so grateful to have grown up with country music being what it was during that time. But the oh wow moment. So the Bluebird, the Bluebird Cafe is this iconic venue. Very, very small. Um, you can truly reach out your hand and like touch not just the hand, but the shoulder of the person next to you. Like these are tight quarters. Okay. Um, and it was before I moved here, it was just like, it was on this pedestal. It was this venue that I couldn't wait to go to. And I just, it was everything. Yeah. But then I had heard stories from people that like, well, you know, make sure you go on a good night because just depending on the vibe, like it can maybe be a little slow. And I was okay. like, I was like, no, it cannot be slow. Like it yeah. has to be amazing. Yeah. Now and so now I had this complex, like, oh my gosh, what if it's not amazing? So um I got my first invitation to go from a woman who had previously worked for Sony. She was now working for Pearl Records, um, which is Garth Brooks, Trisha yeah. Yearwood. And there was a charity event at the Bluebird that night. And she invited us, she invited me and one of my colleagues to join them at their table. And I was like, all right, yes, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm so, so this nervous. Is, this is an exclusive place. It's not like you can just show up there. It, it, it especially for this night, it was because it was like um, a charity event. But even on a regular basis, they're just, it's so iconic and it's so small that it's, routinely sold out because okay. and their website is like 800 years old so <laughs> you could you could like be refreshing for 30 minutes and then you realize that you just didn't get any tickets and it's sold out and you're like I don't even understand like I don't <laughs> I've just been sitting here like and the wheel has just been spinning but oh that's God. for another time so I get to the event and it's um Victoria Shaw and Ken Blasey and two other songwriters that have been instrumental in Garth's career um and they were basically rotating down the line they would say you know I wrote this song with Garth at this studio and here's kind of how it went here's how the idea came about and then Victoria would sing her version of the river and oh, it was amazing <laughs> and it was and I love that stuff I love I love the behind the scenes the I love storytelling yeah, I love it. And had the night been just that, it would have been amazing. But so they went through two times and they each kind of did their thing, told, told their story, sang their song. And then for the final two rounds, Garth came and he sat there with them and he sang the songs and they oh. told the stories together. Ah. And I, I'm literally weeping. <laughs> weeping. I am weeping. And his, his voice makes me weep too. <laughs> it's it was just emotional. I mean, yeah, there was a lot happening in that moment for me. From like moving to Nashville was a bit scary, just because it was taking a leap. I was taking a chance on myself. I was taking a chance that 
this vision that I had, this, this position was going to pan out. And honestly, in that moment, I was like, if it doesn't, this was all worth it. Like this was all worth it to see him on stage this close in this iconic venue that I have like dreamed about since I was young. And of course I called my dad after and I was like, dad I am like just total tear fest that's probably the top oh wow moment that oh, I've wow. ever had that is a, oh wow I'm saying oh wow geez he's but, Garth Brooks is just truly I don't know if there's ever gonna be anyone that can I mean there's also George Strait but like Garth Brooks has a special special place in my heart too so I understand <laughs> yeah I mean George George is an icon but I guess it's just again like your childhood though your, too. your influence yeah like we yeah. just didn't like I heard I heard George straight on the radio but mm-hmm. my parents weren't we weren't playing those records you know right right I know I totally get it because my parents were the same they like my my mom used to sing my sister and I the Beatles songs like Beatles songs when we were kids like when we were babies on her guitar like she would just play them and so I naturally was like automatically a Beatles person for the rest of my life and I still know every lyric to every song because of because of her so um so I I totally get it unfortunately I won't get my Beatles moment but (laughs) but you know so what are give me give me some other ones like maybe how about like some in person like you met one of your favorites I can we talk about Casey because you know I'm like really obsessed with her (laughs) I haven't yeah I haven't gotten to spend as much time with Casey I've 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 met her in passing at like radio remotes, things that are kind of just not things that are a little bit more corporate and not casual and conversational. She's an icon. She is paving a brand new path um, that started in country music and now has kind of crossed over to, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure what this next album is going, where it's going to land. But she's, she's just such a creative. She's, such an amazing stork, uh, storyteller, songwriter. And I, I just love, I love her unique phrasing. I love her unique perspective. I just, I, I think what she does is, is fantastic. I do too. I, I latched onto her first album, um, the same trailer, different park album. And I never let go of it. I mean, I just had it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And then pageant material and I mean just every every like album release since and then ever since golden hour I've been I remember I went to Austin to see her and I remember getting goosebumps and like tears in my eyes thinking to myself like this is the last time she's going to be performing in a space this small because it was it was right when she won her all her Grammys for that yeah and I was like this is this is it like after this it's only going to be like Toyota Center and bigger like essentially so yeah it was I mean I just have really loved following her career and the way that you're right the way that she phrases stuff like it touches your soul and you know music really affects everything for me like my mood like it can help like it can help boost my mood it can help me when I'm depressed it can help me when I need energy like there's you know it just varies and I guess like whenever I'm feeling whenever I want to feel inspiration like I'll listen to her to her albums and whenever I see a story from her on Instagram I'm like always inspired by her 
by her art. Um, and so when I, when I saw you post about her, I was just like, I need to know about everything that Jackie knows. I need to know if you ever do get a chance to talk to her, just let her know that you have a friend that truly lives for her. I will. <laughs> just lives I will. for her. I look, I look forward to the, to the future opportunity where I get to have a conversation with her and, yes. you know, my glass of wine or whatever yes. we're drinking. I'm sorry I interrupted your question, but I just had to like get it out there, you know? No, I don't even, I'm, I'm so absent-minded. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> no, you were talking about, you were talking about Garth. That was your first, oh, oh, oh wow, experience. And then yeah. what, um, what- well, but Back to your other point, ones? Yeah, it is really special when you get to see an artist in a smaller setting. It's just, yeah. it just is. I, when I was in New York, I think it was 2009. I had bought tickets to see Lady Gaga and I was super excited. The show ended up getting postponed, um, which was fine because I, I was still able to go. But during that time, she just blew up. Like oh. she was a thing in New York, but yeah. then by the time the concert happened, she was like a global thing. Right. And I got to see her at Terminal 5, which is kind of like a warehouse type space in New York. And I'm like, it's crazy that I saw Lady Gaga at Terminal 5 because like she, from almost the infancy of her stardom was like a Madison Square Garden type artist. So it was, yeah. it was very cool to see her in such a, you know, rustic much more intimate setting well I mean she's pretty monster big you know like yeah uh, no she is she's she is for sure globally like you could go to Antarctica and they'd probably know who Lady Gaga is <laughs> but I feel like at the same time you could like see her at a local coffee shop and she would be like do you need Splenda like yeah. I just feel like she's so giving and normal yeah. normal in the sense of like she would, without question, do something for another human, not necessarily normal with like style and other right. things. Right. No, I know what you mean. She's like a, she's like a normal human being as in, yeah, service to others, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so what about like, have, have you been, have you gotten like hit on by anyone big or anything like that? I mean... I'm I'm so naive. I probably wouldn't even have like realized. I'm like, give me something it's... juicy, Jackie. Come on, give me something. <laughs> well, I've been dating my boyfriend for basically since I had been in Nashville for a year. That's so... mean you can't get hit on, my friend. No, I know, I know. But I'm just trying to like he's usually with me, so people realize <laughs> like she's spoken for. Usually celebs don't give a shit about that, to be <laughs> honest. They're like, I don't care if she has a boyfriend or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say yes, but like who and when? You don't know. Beats me. Can't remember. Well, you're gorgeous. So like, I wouldn't Thank be you. shocked. I mean, I'm just Thank saying. You. Yes, I would have on you if I was a man. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I do kind of hit on you every day. I'm like, oh my God, you look so hot today. Oh my God, you look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday always, I think I was like no yesterday I was like you look like Casey and you're like oh my god ultimate compliment dream what <laughs> a dream I know what a dream so where do you see yourself in your career you know like obviously I'm not going to give you the old like where do you see yourself in five years but I want to yeah. know like where like where do you want to take this position like how do you, how much do you want to elevate it where do you see it going great question I don't really know because 
I, I mean, I can say where I see myself potentially going with the options that exist, but I just feel like the world of music, the world of content, the world of social media are just ever evolving. Yeah. Um, just like if you would, if some, when I was younger, when we were younger, like there was no, I'm going to be a blogger or I'm going to be a that like, there's so no. many jobs and careers that have just developed over the, with the, with the, um, expansion of technology over the last 10, 15 years that I'm hopeful that what I'm doing in five years doesn't even exist today, that it's something new and fresh, but if it's not, that's okay too. I, I truly could do exactly what I'm doing right now for the rest of my life. And I don't think, I don't think I would get burnt out doing it. Cause I do, I really love it. But at the same time, there's so many, so many careers within the world of country music and music in general that I think are intriguing I, I can definitely see myself working in a more um, a managerial role for an artist like just one because, of, like one in particular I mean like, yes because there's yeah. artists that I'm completely obsessed with and and just naturally kind of think about things I mean, I'll send people I'll, I I'm not I don't keep my ideas close to the vest like I know enough people now that I just think it's cool if one of my ideas actually comes to fruition. I don't sure. care if I get credit for it or if I make money on it or anything like that. So, um, I mean, I'll text people all the time and be like, Hey, I just saw this thing on TikTok, And I was thinking that it would be really cool if your artists did that, or if they did some sort of collaborative content and that's, that's just awesome. not my world. I don't sure. We can set up things like that every once in a while, but the bandwidth within the iHeart bubble is just it doesn't necessarily fit all the time so if I have an idea that I think would be really cool for an artist to do on their own social platforms I'll just text their manager or I'll text right. one of their label people and be like I just thought of this do what we do with what you will like throw it in the trash can or elevate <laughs> it to somebody that can make it happen I don't care but I'm just like speaking it into potential existence yeah so would you go would you like to go work for when you say be with one like be with an artist like would you go work for one artist like alone or what or the label maybe or uh, what would you prefer like would you prefer to be working with an artist directly probably potentially I mean if if I worked for a label I would see myself more on like the marketing side where you're kind of touching the creative world of all the artists that are signed within your label regardless it's it's a little bit complicated in that like there's universal music yeah but then there's capital records which is kind of a subset of universal music there's mca which is where casey is signed to and sam hunt and so but the people on their marketing team do things for all of the artists that are signed to the various imprints that are all under the umbrella of universal or sony or whatever it might be and then there's also larger management companies that oversee the careers of of many many artists i don't really see myself working at one of the larger management companies necessarily not to rule that out but just kind of in my head i feel like i would be better suited in a smaller operation where I can just go knock on the door of the person that I you know, directly yeah, report to yeah. and be like, Hey, I was, I just saw this and I was thinking that I can't type this out in an email because it's like more visual. So right. here's the video and here's how I see it working and whatever. Yeah. Um, I could see you doing that. I don't know. 
I mean, anything the sky's possible. limit, I, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> what would you give, like, say, you know, you, there's a young girl coming out of college and she wants to get into the music business. What is a, like just a little stepping stone of advice that you can give to her? Yeah, I, um, I stole something from our, our mutual, um, uh, social media crush tinks uh the other day and <laughs> I was love just her. like do a good job like regardless of the task do a really good job I mean as an assistant you're going to start out doing things that feel not impressive but like people notice when you put the little stopper in their Starbucks cup to like insulate the heat and people notice when you remember their extra mustard or their extra sauce or whatever it is, people, people notice the presentation of how you, of how you hand something off to them. Um, it, there's tons of little tiny things that even if the task isn't something that seems important, you can still do a really good job with it. Right. And, and people no, people notice that people notice that you have a smile on your face. People notice that you are generally always in a good mood or that you make an effort to ask how their day is going or, or what they did this weekend or, and just make an effort to get to know people. So I would just say, try to do a really good job regardless of what the thing is. Um, and then once the thing is more important or more, you know, has more revenue tied to it, like, continue that work ethic, like still do the best job that you can with the resources that you have at your disposal. So is there a possibility if they're not in a big music town like LA or Nashville or New York, is there a possibility for them to gain resume success by staying in their hometowns? Or do you advise to go and take the leap and move to one of those bigger cities? If I mean, they're I really passionate almost... about music. Yeah. I mean, yeah. luckily there is a local radio station in pretty much every small, large, medium-sized city across yep. the United States. So I would say if music is your passion, just get a foot, get your foot in the door at any company, whether you have the, the means to move to Nashville or New York or LA or wherever it might be. Mm-hmm. But you can also make moves in whatever town you're in currently. Like maybe you're working for free. Maybe you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you're making whatever minimum wages these days per hour. And maybe that's not enough, but you figure it out. But if that's your passion, I think you just have to find a way to work it into your resume somehow, find a way to, to get experience. However, that pans out that's good and advice. then just, hmm? that's really good advice. That's perfect. Yeah. I because, just, yeah, I mean, not everybody has the means to move to Chicago or move to Miami or move to LA. So of course. you know, you just got to make it work with, with what you have. Of course. Absolutely. I, I just, you know, I think about the, the women and the young ladies who are, you know, um, in a smaller town maybe, and they just feel like they're stuck and they really yeah. want to, you know, they think that success equals moving to LA or moving to Nashville. And it's not always that. So that's what I'm, that's what I wanted to hear for sure is like, there is that possibility, go to your local radio station, you know, do an internship with them. Eventually it'll lead to an assistant job. Eventually it'll lead to something else. And like you said, if you are consistent and you work hard and you do well at every job that you do and you put in that effort, people will remember you. 
So yeah, that's the most important thing. And if you're, I think if you're not passionate about something, you're never going to be, I mean, you might be good at it, but you're never going to be happy doing it. Right. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just saying that you're right. And anybody can kind of do their best at becoming an expert at whatever their passion is with Mm -hmm. the power of the internet, the power of social media. So learning the like job part is actually the easy piece. It's, it's coming in with a wealth of knowledge about the topic at hand. That is, that's, that's the struggle. That's, that's where the real, that's where you really become an asset. For sure. So I I have one more question for you. It's a question that I ask every single podcast guest. Okay. Um, so going back to when you were 20 years old, if you were walking down the street (laughs) and you saw yourself, you saw yourself at 20 years old walking down the street and you got to go up to her, give her a big hug and you got to give her one piece of advice. What would that one piece of advice be? Gosh, 20. (laughs) I know. Right. Um, I would tell her so many things. (laughs) I I know. I know. So, so, so many things. Um, I would probably tell her that she's going to make mistakes and she's already made some and <laughs> this is, and the end is not near. She's going to continue to make them, but just be yourself. Like I have truly been able to get to where I am by working hard, but honestly, just being myself. Like I, I feel like I am blessed with a personality where people feel comfortable in my presence and that has allowed me to go a long way even when I didn't even when I was wasn't necessarily qualified people trusted me because of the way I made them feel they were like I I I like to feel like they (laughs) were so were comfortable enough in my presence that they were like I think she's gonna figure it out she doesn't know everything but like something about her says, yes, like go for it. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell her that she's not done fucking up and <laughs> but yeah. to just be true to herself and do what feels right. And it's going to lead into great things. Perfect. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. It's hard to think now about I'm yourself. Have flashbacks about I being know. 20 years old for the rest of the night. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's. I think about myself when I was 20. I literally was like, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. Like literally nothing. I knew nothing at 20. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> My parents Wild. did everything for me. They just made every decision. And now I'm just like, how did they how did they live with me for this long? How did they tolerate me? I mean, I would be sick of me. Sometimes I'm even sick of me now. I'm like, oh, (laughs) you're so annoying sometimes. (laughs) Well, Jackie, thank you so much for taking time out tonight for being on the show. Um, I, there's no one else like you in my, in my network. And so in my group of friends, so I truly appreciate you, um, you know, helping out our younger ladies that want to aspire to be just like you and, and, you know, forge ahead with the opportunities that they're given and stick to their guns and really make a success out of themselves. So thank you for being such a role model. Um, and, and just an amazing, sweet, beautiful person. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for everything. And I will, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. All right, dropouts. That's it for today's episode of the Luxury Dropout Podcast. I'm so glad you stuck with us today. It was a great one. Um, how cool was that story about Garth Brooks? I literally still have chills. 
Um, and if she ever meets Casey Musgraves, you know, that I'm going to like fly to wherever she is immediately. Like, I think Jackie probably knows that already. Um, yeah. So I just think that, you know, the advice that she gave is so strong and we should definitely all take that to heart that no matter what job we're doing, we should just dedicate ourselves hundred percent to it because people do notice those small little things that you do for them. And that, that doesn't even apply for just your job. It applies to everyday life. People do notice you and you stand out when you do the little things for people and come through for them. So with that being said, I am sending you so much love, stay safe, and I will see you on the next one. That's a wrap for this episode of the Luxury Dropout. Make sure to visit stephaniejoplin.com to find all of Steph's episodes, including full podcast descriptions and photos of her guests. Until next time, besties.